Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. We're in this series, U-Turn, because we seek the good life, a full, meaningful, satisfying life. And Jesus had a lot to say about how to realize the good life, or the kingdom, as he called it, in the Sermon on the Mount. As we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, what we've come to find is that if we want to find this life, we have to follow Jesus. But this is challenging, because it means that we have to turn from the way we've been living, the way of the world, We have to receive his forgiveness, and we've got to follow him with our life. Now, wherever you're at in your faith journey, exploring faith in Jesus, been following Jesus for a while, can we agree that followers of Jesus should become more like Jesus? Like, the longer someone has been following Jesus, the more and more like Jesus they should be. Seems like a reasonable uh, request, isn't it? Like a safe assumption to make. Why is it then that Jesus was known for being loving and Christians are known for being judgmental? The sick, the sinners, the tax collectors, the religious rejects, the marginalized by society flocked to Jesus because he loved them. And yet many in our society won't even give Jesus the time of day to to understand who he is and what he's about because Christians won't give them the time of day to figure out who they are and what they're about. Uh, People who are attracted to Jesus are repelled by some of us. And what do they say? Oh, they say, do not judge or you too will be judged. I struggle to think that Jesus is excited about the fact that Those he attracted are repelled by us. It's interesting, that that verse that people quote to us, telling us that that we're judgmental, it's actually the next thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus had a word for his followers about how he wanted them to live their lives and relate with others in a way that, that didn't repel people, but actually drew people to him. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Because here, we're going to see what Jesus taught about judging others. If you need a Bible or a place to jot down some notes, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app. Today's going to be fun because we're looking at a well-known passage, but one that's often misunderstood. People are, are quick to quote it, but rarely apply it. But after today we will no longer be those people. So let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask that Jesus would speak to us now. Lord, we come before you and we ask that you would speak, that you would help us to know you more, that you would help us see how you would have us relate with others in a way that they would feel loved and be drawn to you. We ask this in your name, amen. Picking up in Matthew 7, verses one and two. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We shouldn't judge others because as we judge others today, 
One day we will be judged. You see, Scripture is clear. God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. And we are not. We are sinful. We miss the mark. We fall short. And our sin of any kind separates us from God, whether it's a white lie or all-out embezzlement, the lustful look or a full-on affair. God doesn't tolerate any of it. And Scripture is also clear that the wage for our sin is death and we will be judged. But Jesus is the merciful judge. When he came 2,000 years ago, he came extending mercy to us sinners. Jesus lived a sinless life. So when he died on the cross, he didn't pay the wage for his sin. He didn't have any. He paid the wage for your sin and my sin. Picture it like this. You're standing before the judge and you know that you're guilty. It felt so good in the moment. And if it doesn't, if it didn't, like you're not sinning right. But now, now your stomach is in knots. You know you're guilty. You know the the punishment for your sin is death. And the judge recounts your sin before you and he reminds you of the choice words toward your spouse, the hoarding what you had, the, the worry about what's next. He lifts all of it and then reminds you that that the wage for your sin is death. And just when you expect the gavel to drop, the judge stands up, walks around the bench, comes around, puts his armor on your shoulder and offers to stand in your place. The judge takes your punishment upon himself so that you can walk free. This is the gospel. Jesus is the merciful judge. And we can experience life with God now, life with God forever because of Jesus. He connects us back into a relationship with God. He reconciles us to God. But if we don't receive Jesus' mercy for our sins, if we don't let him stand in our place, then we have to pay the price for our sin. And the price is death eternal death. Jesus called this eternal death hell, and it is living hell. Heaven or hell, that's what awaits us one day after judgment day. Because when Jesus returns a second time, it's going to be judgment day. And we are going to stand before him, and we have to take an account for our sins. Now, was that account paid for by him, or do we have to pay for those sins? You see, Our destiny then hangs on how we respond to Jesus now. So are you going to let Jesus dismiss your sins now? Are you going to let him wipe them clean? Or are you going to dismiss Jesus now, only to have him dismiss you from his presence then? Romans uh, 10 verses 9 through 13 say this. It's a promise to us. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call 
on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to receive Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you want to follow Jesus with your life, declare Jesus is Lord. Whether you are wanting to to, to follow Jesus for the first time now, or you've been following him for some time, I invite all of us, I invite you to declare your faith with me. Jesus is Lord. What's your declaration of faith? Jesus is Lord. If you are making that proclamation, that declaration for the first time, that you want to follow Jesus with your life, that you need to, that you're going to receive his forgiveness for your sins, let us know on your Connect card that you're deciding to follow Jesus because we would love to talk with you. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you as you begin this relationship with Jesus. Now, Scripture is also clear that one of the first things that we do as followers of Jesus is we get baptized. When, uh, when we believe in Jesus, when we receive his forgiveness, it's as if we say, I do, to a relationship with God. When we get baptized, it's as if we put a, a ring on it, a wedding ring on it, telling the world that we are with Jesus. So if you want to get baptized, let us know on your Connect card, and we'll be in touch about that too. Uh, Jesus is the merciful judge, meaning he gets to judge and we don't. He decides who's a sinner and who's a saint. He decides who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. And before he makes the judgment call, he extends mercy to us. So we, before before that judgment call is made for others, before Jesus makes the judgment call, we should be quick to extend mercy to others too. Why should we be quick to extend mercy and slow to judge? Jesus explained why and what he taught next. Back in Matthew 7, now in verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother's eye. Jesus used an absurd contrast of uh, sawdust in someone else's eye and a plank in our own eye to demonstrate that inspection of others without first introspection of self leads to one thing and one thing alone, a judgmental hypocrite. Christians, rightly or wrongly so, we've been called judgmental hypocrites. So we know how that feels and it doesn't feel good. Don't want to be a judgmental hypocrite? Repent of your sin before pointing out sin in others. This is so simple, and yet it is the complete opposite of what we are inclined to do. You see, to feel better about our mess in in our lives, what we do is we point out the mess in everyone else's life. You, you have a drinking problem, and yet, you know, we have a glass of wine after dinner to unwind after every day. Your kids are a terror, and yet our kids are too behind closed doors. If we don't say it with our mouth, we think it in our mind. Oh, at least I don't watch the shows and the movies that they watch. At least I'm not sleeping around like they do. At least I didn't plagiarize like they did. It's tempting to to look down on others because it gives us an inflated view 
of self. But this just earns us the rightful title of judgmental hypocrite. But we shouldn't fabricate our identity by looking to others. We should find our identity by looking to Jesus. Who does Jesus say you are? Who is he calling you to be? To find out, look into the mirror of God's word. James, the the half-brother of Jesus, put it this way. In James 1, this is 19 through 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When we look into the mirror of God's word, we're confronted with the sin in our lives and we're called to be more like Jesus, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Uh, rid of all moral filth and the evil that, so, that is so prevalent. Use the mirror of God's word to check your vision. Is there sawdust in your eye? Is there sin in your life? And use it to, to, to check your heart. Is your motive Jesus' motive? Because as Jesus taught back in Matthew 7, once, once we take the, the plank out of our eye, he says, take the, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Hear me in this. It is only after time with Jesus personally that we can point people to Jesus meaningfully. Or said another way, look to Jesus to love like Jesus. Time in God's word reveals that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Love is the tension of the two. In study of his word, like in the gospel of John, we see that Jesus often would lead with grace and then he would follow with truth. This is how he typically related with people. The exception to that pattern was the hard-hearted, rule-it-over religious leaders. He led with truth for them. He spoke plainly, he spoke bluntly, because that's what they needed. Uh, A great example of Jesus loving with grace and truth, and, and doing that to those who are hurting, and also those who are prideful, is the account that's recorded in John 8 of a woman who's caught in adultery and who's brought before Jesus. And just listen to how Jesus responded. This is in John 8. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When he kept on, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and leave your life of sin. We have to look to Jesus to love like Jesus. More often than not, this is going to mean extending mercy to others because Jesus first extended mercy to us. However, there are going to be times where we are going to point out sin in others' eyes. We're going to eventually and ultimately point people to Jesus. And when we do, we are wise to treat them as you want to be treated. Jesus taught the golden rule just moments later in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is now in in Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. When pointing out sin in others, do so kindly, do it in love. Because we should be ultimately pointing the person to Jesus. That's the goal. So as you do this, do it as you would want someone to do it for you. Because do you like it when others assume the worst rather than believe the best about you? Do you like it when others come down on you without first understanding where you're coming from? That's why we should treat others as we want to be treated. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. You're going to be a whole lot more helpful and a whole lot less hurtful if you can do this thing. And maybe it, it sounds like, you know, hey, I, I heard X. Can you, can you help me understand where you're coming from here? Hey, I noticed Y. Can you share your perspective with me? Jesus taught that we, we shouldn't be judgmental, but at the appropriate time, we should make judgments. H- how do we make judgments without being judgmental? Look into the mirror of God's word. Look to Jesus to love like Jesus and treat them as you want to be treated. These are helpful principles to apply, but only after first considering one's audience, as Jesus explained next in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they, will, they may trample them under their feet in turn and tear you to pieces. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. What is Jesus talking about here? It's a fair question, because this is as uh, culturally uh, specific of an illustration as, as could come. I mean, today, dogs are great pets. Pigs give us bacon, so we love them both. But back then, dogs and pigs were considered unclean by Jewish law. So through this metaphor, what Jesus is essentially teaching is that his followers should consider who they're approaching. You see, We can't assume that the unclean are going to act clean. It's unfair to expect someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus to follow Jesus with the way they live their life. So rather than than shining a light on this sin and on that sin and on that sin, 
what we're better off doing is, is spotlighting Jesus. Because when someone comes to know Jesus, surrenders their life to Him, the Holy Spirit's going to start working in their life, transforming their heart to be more like Jesus. And you know what? The Holy Spirit might use you, might use me in the process. Again and again, what we're seeing is, is this point that's starting to surface in Jesus' teaching here. And the point is this. Don't point your finger at others. Point others to Jesus. When we live this way, we're going to be known not for being judgmental. We're actually going to be known for our love. We're going to be known as Jesus was known and he called us to be known. He, he said it this way near the end of his ministry. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And let me tell you, when followers of Jesus love like Jesus, it is compelling. Several weeks ago, a young guy found us on Google, came to one of our worship services, and uh, our church just totally embraced him, welcomed him, got to know him. Brenda sat next to him during the service, and after the service, she helped him download the app and helped him find a group. And then she even introduced me to him. And as I was talking with this young guy, his hunger for Jesus, his curiosity was palpable. It was so easy to see. And he was asking these great questions. Well, he, he heads home, as we all head home, and uh, Brenda followed up with him that week. And then the following Sunday, He's sitting on the couch at his girlfriend's house, and uh, he gets up and he decides to come to Connect Church. And in Tyler, who's on our staff team, he got to meet this young gentleman at that point, and they're in this conversation, and, and he's sharing with Tyler how he was sitting that morning on his girlfriend's couch, and he couldn't stop thinking about Connect Church. He went on to share that he grew up Wiccan. He even practiced Satanism at one time. He's been to other churches, but he never felt noticed. He didn't feel like he was seen or anyone really cared that he was there. And then he said something. He said, I couldn't stop thinking about how loved I felt by my time at Connect Church last week. So I had to come back. Church, we are going to be known by our love because when we love the one in front of us, like Jesus has loved us, we are going to see him change lives. People are going to be attracted to him rather than repelled by us. All for his glory and their good. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we ask that that would be true of us. Again and again in our own personal lives, in our church, would you help us to be known by our love, your love overflowing from us and impacting the lives of those around us. Thank you for extending mercy to us. Would we be quick to extend mercy towards others? And in so doing, would we see many come to saving faith in you? We ask this in your name.